You know, for me, it was emotional intelligence and servant leadership. So it's helping your people get to where it is that they want to go and just having the emotional intelligence to know yourself really well, as well as to know your people and where they're coming from and how those social interactions influence their performance. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with Benj Miller. And our guest today is Adam Boudreaux. Uh, Adam has a PhD in organizational development and leadership. Uh, he's the owner of the leadership group in Tampa, Florida. And Adam, welcome to Tractionville. Thank you, guys. So full disclosure with everybody out there in Tractionville, Adam uh, was a client of mine who graduated uh, the EOS process, and um, he has since taken his entrepreneurial leap again. <laughs> so Adam, tell us, what are you doing right now? So I'm running the leadership group, uh, which is leadership development and executive coaching, uh, working with companies to help them integrate EOS and leadership together. So trying to fill that that void that was identified a number of times with clients in terms of needing leadership development for executive teams and first level managers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we when we implemented EOS uh, in the organization and uh, you 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 ended up, you know, making that decision that it was time for you to, to kind of strike out on your own. Um, what, what led you to that decision? Where'd you get that strength to, to finally pull that trigger? I think it was a couple of things. Um, you know, I grew up in the military, so I was exposed to really great leadership and really terrible leadership. Um, <laughs> one specific example, um, I was stationed at a base where morale was terrible. Um, the entire unit was borderline disarray. Um, we had a new leader come in, completely different personality, different leadership style, with essentially no other changes in terms of we didn't change out the people, we didn't change the mission, we didn't change funding, but just the leadership. And within six to 12 months, it was an entirely different organization. We went on to win outstanding unit awards. Um, we got nominated for a number of different awards and recognitions as an outstanding unit. And it was simply the difference of a leadership style and personal relationships and how that leader connected with his people and connected his people to a mission. So I say all that to say, when I did EOS, that was one of the things that I loved about the implementing was the vision traction organizer and how it links people and the vision and the mission all together. And then it breaks it down. So I understand how my piece fits into the bigger pie. So I'm contributing to the company goals. After having done that internal to an organization and seeing how impactful it was, combined with my educational background, it's something that I just wanted to go out and go help more companies. And I could do it as an internal implementer, integrator, however, you know, whichever role in an organization, or take the leap, go be a consultant and go help multiple organizations at the same time. When was it in your, so you served how many years? I was nine years. Nine years. Thank you for your service. That's fantastic. Thank you. And so, 
being exposed to all the different styles of leadership, um, did you did you get your 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 undergrad, your master's, and your PhD all while in the military? No, I actually did them all as I was transitioning out of the military. So after about eight years, I had made the decision that I was going to get out, and I was like, "Man, if I'm going to get out, I better get ready for what's next." So I did a crash course in education and jumped into a I did my associates while I was in the Air Force. And right as I got out, I was in a bachelor's program, did that. It was like, oh, that was tough. <laughs> took about a six-year break and went, you know, I could go do a master's program. So I signed up for that. Um, thought I was done. You know, I'd done my MBA, had a concentration in leadership. I was into my career. Um, and then I got a job at University of Florida and I was working at the university. Um, after about five years working there, um, just decided to take advantage of the educational opportunities afforded through them. Right. So I enrolled in a PhD program. And it was kind of funny because I expected them to deny me. So I enrolled knowing well, I'll get denied. It'll give me a year to really get myself together. And then next year I'll apply and then I'll get in. And so when I got my denial letter, I opened it up and it was, we'd like to welcome you to the <laughs> 2011. I was like, oh my God, now I got to go do this. So uh, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Now, so what, so you took a you took a break in between um, when you when you reentered civilian life. Uh, what were you doing? So I left the the military and I actually kind of bounced around trying to find where I fit. Um, I right. worked for you know a couple different companies and a couple different industries, really trying to figure out what was where I was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and part of it was because. You know, when you leave the military, you leave your tribe. Um, Sebastian Unger in his book really tribe described it. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to find a new tribe. Um, and, you know, you leave an organization where everybody is working towards a singular goal to be prepared to go fight and win wars right. to you join private society and private market. And all of a sudden you're, you know, in a company of 50 people, you have 50 little franchises all collected under one umbrella and getting everybody focused on the same mission was tough. Um, so I really had a hard time finding where I belonged. Um, ended up, you know, I spent a few years in a, in a couple different careers, um, got exposure to, a, again, more great leadership, great companies, um, great cultures. Um, and that's really, I think, where I started to see how much culture is driven by leadership, but how much culture affects the overall performance of an organization. Yeah. Because I was in some really fantastic cultures. Um, I worked at Cummins Engine Company, like yeah. fantastic company that, you know, really places a high value importance on culture, on leadership, on developing their leaders. And the organization showed. And then I was with some other organizations that thought, you know, leadership development and investment in people was a waste of money. And the cultures reflected that. Many entrepreneurial business leaders are overwhelmed, burnt out, and frustrated. They know they need to delegate to an assistant, but they don't think they can afford one, and they don't want the responsibility of managing one. At Delegate Solutions, we provide leaders with a different approach to admin support without the hassles of committing to an employee. We support clients remotely in as little as one to two hours per day, all the way through to full time. We provide delegation coaching to help you figure out what and how to delegate strategically. Our team of thinkers and doers join forces to get things done, so you're free to focus on what you do best. 
Learn more about how we can help by visiting www.delegatesolutions.com. Adam, take us back to that, the, the base that got turned around. What do you think that that leader and maybe, maybe overall in the military, what do they know about leadership that we miss in business? Um, I don't think it's, there's no secret sauce as much as it's just, it's almost like a laboratory of leadership to where you have people that can't quit. Um, your mission's very clearly defined. Your purpose is very clearly defined. Your role is very clearly defined. So none of that changes. So it really creates a great laboratory for leadership in terms of nobody's going to change the peripherals. So your controls are pretty much locked in place. Um, and there's this huge body of leadership knowledge that the military possesses because they have that environment and they expose people to such high stress environments and remote environments to where you're removed from everything else, stationed overseas, um, deployments. And so, you know, it's not necessarily that they had something the rest of the world misses. It's just some people just miss it. And, you know, those that were the most effective leaders really got to know their people. So it's about personal relationships, personal connections. Um, it's really properly motivating people. And you can't do that just with one carte blanche approach to motivation. Individual people need different motivational styles. And really just to have the capacity within a leader to be that relational, personal, um, you know, for me, it was emotional intelligence and servant leadership. So it's helping your people get to where it is that they want to go. And just having the emotional intelligence to know yourself really well, as well as to know your people and where they're coming from and how those social interactions influence their performance. So when you take that knowledge from the military now into your consulting practice and you go in, you work uh, with leaders, what is it that you focus on or how do you transfer those, the, the EQ, the relationship building? How do you, how do you, you know, teach and get other people to do that? Right. So a lot of it is um, just understanding where people are coming from. So the preliminary part when I work with teams is I really just get to know the team themselves do one-on-one -on -one interviews, talk to them, just hear the problems, the challenges, the opportunities that they see. And so I can better understand where they're coming from and where they've been um, and how they've been achieving success to this point. And from there, it's really working. Sometimes it's, we do a scaffolded approach to where we're gonna build precept upon precept. And it almost seems redundant to start something as simple as effective communication and just talk about the four parts of a message in terms of you know, your, your message, your sender, your receiver, and your feedback, and making sure that people understand that complete process. And sometimes as leaders, we get too busy with three pieces. We have a message, we're the sender, and they, we have a receiver that we're talking to, but we don't stop long enough to get the feedback. And that feedback is such a critical point. And sometimes when you talk to leaders and we're busy and we're in the trenches and we're going, we never stop for feedback. So we don't hear from our people. So it becomes a very one-way communication. And then your culture starts to get off the rails. And so teaching some of the common basics, if you will, and then scaffolding from there. Emotional intelligence, 
unlike personality, unlike personal preferences, emotional intelligence can be learned. It can be developed. And so we go through some specific exercises to help teams recognize some of the, the emotional intelligence components, how they feel. We go through exercises in terms of situational, you know, thinking back, how did a specific situation make you feel? How did it motivate you? How did it demotivate you? And as you become more aware, then you start to see, oh, okay, I'm doing this to my people. My people are doing this to me. It's constantly happening around me. If I pause and I become aware to it and I tune into it, now I can motivate and I can lead much more effectively. When you said that, it brought me right back to that um, story that you shared about the new commander coming into your unit. And from a, from, a, from a physical standpoint, structure, roles, responsibilities, vision, mission, they didn't change anything. So that tells me that they, they, they have high EQ, right? And what Absolutely. is it that that leader did um, to take your unit who, who was, you know, spiraling, I guess, you know, morale was down, whatever. What, what, what was it that they did from a relational standpoint to, to start that pendulum swinging the other way? So they went against a lot of what had been done before and basically turned leadership in the military on its head. So military leadership is very hierarchical and you have the organization, you report to your direct supervisor, he reports up the chain. You don't skip levels of the chain. You don't go to the top. He reversed that. And so he, first thing he did when he got there was schedule appointments with every single one of the troops that was in his squadron. He had an hour and a half set aside where he just sat down and asked you questions. It wasn't an interrogation as much as, hey, where are you from? What's, how, where's your family? Are you married? Do you have kids? And just got to know his people. Right. And so it created that personal connection. And then he shared his vision for the organization, personal, as a one-on-one so we, hey, let's talk about this, how you fit into this. And that's why I liken it so much back to EOS and the VTO in terms of helping people grab hold of a vision and run with it. Right. To where when somebody's passionate in front of you, passionate with you, and you get excited about that, man, you're going to run through brick walls for that guy. Right. And that's essentially what he did. He had an entire organization that he created personal connections with. And then he went the next step after he met with everybody, he then met with teams with the leaders. So now it was all of the troops that reported to a certain leader plus him. So he reestablishes the hierarchical command. He makes sure that his leader in front of all of his troops is on board. He's showing his support. And it's that cascading of the mantle of leadership to his people. Hey, you guys go do this piece. You've got it. I got trust in you. Let me know if you need help. Right. It, it was huge. And that's what our people want. You know, I have in all my career never heard anybody say, God, I love the way my supervisor micromanages me. <laughs> like nobody's going to say it. <laughs> but when we get hired to do a role, to do a job, we're hired for our expertise, our knowledge, our personality, all that we are. Why stand in the way of that? Free your people up, turn them loose, let them go do what you hired them to. And then you kind of become snowplow leadership. You know, when it's sunny and beautiful out, there's no snow plows on the road because all they're going to do is jam up traffic. But when a, there's obstacles, when there's debris in the road, you get a snow plow out to clear the way, and then you get out of the way and you let your people go do what you hired them to do. 
I love that analogy. That's great. Adam, can I take you back to the message sender receiver feedback? Um, yes. You went through that so quick and uh, rightfully so. I think we get the message, we get the sender, we get the receiver. Um, I'm afraid we don't get the feedback, like you said. And right. um, it's probably more than we're going to send a survey to our staff. So give us, uh, are there some tips, practical tools? Can you teach us for a minute? What does that look like in a, in a real practical every day when the, the grind's going on? What does the feedback piece look like? So I love that you said when the grind's going on, because that's when it's the hardest, right? It's just everyday life. There's challenges like take culture right now. So we're dealing with COVID, have all these pressing issues. Nobody has the right answers. We're all trying to figure it out as we go. So stopping for a minute and just talk to your people, get to know your people. It's if you create a culture of personal relationships, you know, and everybody says I have an open door policy, but that's great. But if you're never in your office, I don't care that your door is open because you're not accessible <laughs> or you're always in meetings or you're on the phone, right. your door is not open. We have to listen. You have to slow down and listen to what your people say and not just the words, but dig into the meaning behind what they're saying and the frustrations and the emotions behind that. That's an opportunity to further that personal connection. It doesn't affect your work and it's not affecting your business but it's affecting that person. And that person is going to affect your business. And so those personal connections and those support and that emotion and really just making yourself make time to listen. You know, I was in session yesterday and, um, you know, communication is a, a, you know, top three issue right now, right? You know, dealing with uh, the pandemic and remote workers, um, you know, not being able to have, you know, your traditional, you know, face-to-face -face sales calls, all that stuff that's being impacted right now, right? And um, I've been, you know, seeing my clients increase their communication, right? We have the weekly level 10, and then, you know, we have a, a quarterly state of the company. But to your point, I'm seeing um, a, a lot of my leaders and my clients um, making more time for that that connection like you're talking about it can just be 10 minutes right where it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation um and they're doing a lot of those and they're doing them frequently i even have one client um they're 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 back to work they're able to bring workers back in and uh he's coming in the back door every morning and he's not coming, he's not going to his parking spot and he's not going through the front door right to his office. He's parking in the rear of the building, coming through the back door, and he's saying hi to everybody as he walks to his office. I thought that was brilliant. It's significant. And I think you just hit on another thing on his parking spot. You know, too many times when we get into leadership and we become the person in charge, you know, there's certain privileges and rights associated with that. Um, I have found a lot of the companies that have the most radical candor and the most open and honest patients are the companies where the leader really kind of does away with some of the privilege and gets in tune with his people. Um, you know, there's one company I know of that I've worked with before that the CEO parks in the furthest parking spot at the back of the whole parking lot. And he drives a normal car, so he's not driving some, you know, real expensive luxury car for that exact purpose. He puts his people first, parks them closer to the door. He parks further away. He walks, and he's like, I love it because I walk through the parking lot, 
I get my mind right as I'm walking into the business that I get the privilege to go lead this business, to go lead these people. And so by the time he hits the door and pulls the door open, he's overwhelmed with such a sense of gratitude that he's thankful that his employees choose to be doing business with him. And it sets the tone for his entire day. Even the simple practice of walking by all of those cars that represent your employees is, has a, has a profound, I, lo- I love that picture. Yeah. You know, you pull right up in your, your front row parking spot and walk right in. It's, it's all about you and you're walking in and setting the tone. It's all about you versus man, I'm going to walk by, you can't help thinking about the people that drive those cars. Right. And whether you're, Absolutely. whether you're, um, thinking about the fact that you're there to serve them or whether you're, you're praying for them, whether you're, you know, thinking about how you can make their day awesome. Um, that's a great, I love that as a, a takeaway from today. Um, just a simple practice that can set such a tone. It's kind of like one of those, like make your bed or, or, you know, have the same morning routine, just yeah. little things you can do to get your mind right. The well, cool thing too is, you know, those are those subtle little um, decisions have a huge impact. Like employees see that, you know, and at first they're probably like, well, why is why is Adam parking in the back corner of the parking lot? What's he doing over there? You know, and then and then they realize like, oh wow, I mean, he's he's parking there so we can park closer and uh, you know, it, it helps both sides, right? Absolutely. Um, that's really cool. So what's, uh, what are you working on right now, Adam? What, uh, what's uh, with your clients? What seems to be the hot leadership topics right now? Um, how to effectively invest in their people, how to support their people. You know, some companies, you have people that are thriving in the remote environment. Yeah. And others, you have people that are craving that personal attention, that one-on-one physical interaction. And the remote work environment is not as good for them. Um, you have people that are experiencing, they're calling it Zoom fatigue, yep. you know, sitting in front of your computer all day, the emotional drain of having to be on all day long, and just how to most effectively support the different people. To which, you know, it sounds very basic, but I, with the majority of my clients, revert back to the same advice. Ask questions. You just have to touch base with your people. Ask them, hey, what works best for you? How does this affect you how do I support you the best? Hundred <laughs> percent. Mic drop. Adam, as we wrap up today, uh, one question we love to ask, just super open-ended, but give us your one piece of either encouragement, wisdom, advice, mental model, whatever it is. You have an audience of of entrepreneurs, leaders, uh, executive managers out there who need some of your wisdom. What you got for us today? Don't be afraid to be real. People are really good at spotting and recognizing when actions or emotions are contrived and they're not real. Uh, Be vulnerable. Be real with your people. Be transparent with your people. Um, They trust you. They believe in you. You're in the position you're in for a reason. So walk in that confidence, but do it humbly and do it with vulnerability. And it allows your people to be real with you. And that will transform an entire culture of an organization. Adam, you've dropped a lot of great nuggets for us today. Where can our listeners find more uh, out about you? Uh, Great question. Thanks, Chris. Um, My website is buildboldleaders.com. 
and there you'll find the leadership group links to connect with me, all my personal contact information as well. Tractionville, I know you're all about building some bold You wouldn't be listening if you weren't. So check that out. Check out Adam, some of his resources. Like us, share this podcast, and we'll see you next week for Tractionville Tuesday. Tractionville Tuesday.